Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. It's going to be a solo, a solo, a solo show this week, and we're going to talk about trauma awareness. Now, trauma has been getting a lot of press very recently. For those who've been following the Prince Harry story, he was interviewed by Garba Mate, who's a personal hero of mine and also a, a trauma expert uh, for his book Spare. So that's trauma's been in the news. Um, and I'm just seeing it pop up a lot more uh, in the business context, uh, this idea of trauma awareness and the importance of, uh, of that. Okay, so let's start with the definition. What do we mean by trauma? Well, very simply, it's a, it's a shock uh, or an injury. Uh, it's, a, or it's a painful event uh, that, that leaves a wound. And as Daniela Sieve puts out, who's been on the podcast, whether or not we experience an event as a wounding event or shocking or an injurious event is determined by who you are at that time and the event itself. So it's this intersection of, of the organism of you at that moment of the event and the event itself. Uh, and together, they determine whether or not uh, you experience a trauma. So the, the two different people could experience the same event. Uh, one might experience as a trauma and the other not. And then the other point she makes is it um, it determines our our future from that moment forward, from the from the moment of the trauma, as she puts it. When we suffer overwhelmingly painful or frightening experiences, a damaging imprint is left on our minds and bodies, sending our lives onto a different path. On this path, we live our lives from inside an altered biological and physiological reality. So she's making uh, a really important point in the first sentence there that it's something that's overwhelming. It's something where we don't have any agency in the matter. Uh, that is a, is a hallmark of a traumatic event. And she's also making that point that it, it changes, changes us forevermore, unless we intervene, unless we do the healing, uh, which is obviously a, a big theme on being human. So that's the definition of a trauma. And so how how does it play out in our lives? Well, the, the person who I think has done the best, best thinking on this in terms of simplifying it and making it easy to understand is Dr. Ingeborg Bosch. She's also been a guest on the show, and she has this model, which I love, of adult consciousness and child consciousness. So she posits that we live our lives in one of two modes, either we're in adult consciousness or in child consciousness. And when we get triggered, so when there's an event that resonates, that's very similar in some way to a, a past traumatic event, we're thrown into child consciousness. And that's when we, we react in childish ways. But when we're sailing through life and we're not being triggered by anything, we're in adult consciousness, we're behaving in appropriate ways to the situation, we're dealing rationally with life. And depending on how traumatized we are, uh, we'll spend more or less of our time in either adult consciousness or child consciousness. Now, what's this band in the middle uh, called defenses? Well, this is the protect the protective mechanism that, that our bodies employ um, to have us not feel the full uh, pain of that early trauma, which stays in the body. Um, it doesn't go anywhere once we're traumatized. That imprint persists in the body forevermore, and so it's that our defenses that help us not to feel the, the full pain of that uh, early trauma. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about how that uh, trauma and the trigger process works. So we have a trigger outside somewhere in our life. Uh, you know, Maybe the boss speaks to us the wrong way. 
maybe our partner uh, criticizes us in some way that has us uh, triggered. Um, so we have this trigger event that uh, you know our adult consciousness is experiencing, uh, but that 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 creates a resonance or something that happened in our past, and it throws us into child consciousness. But we get a mediated experience of this child consciousness, so we get a lessened, a dampened down version of this um, because our defenses kick in. And so, what our defenses do? Defenses do. It's it's a mode of behavior. Um, it's a way of being that is helping us to not fully feel the pain of that early trauma because of the the way that we experience life is if something is similar enough to an old pain, there's some part of us that wants to heal. There's some part of us that wants to dive into that pain and feel and 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 experience that old wound as a means of healing. But there's there's this other part of us that doesn't want us to go there, that wants to protect us from that, and so it employs the defenses. And uh, Ingeborg Bosch uh, enumerates these defenses. She says there are five of them. The first is the primary defense. Second is denial of needs. Uh, the third is false power. The fourth is false hope. And the fifth is fear uh, as a response, and we'll talk more about that. Um, so there are these five defenses that we can go, these defensive patterns, if you like, that we go in. Now, it's still potentially uncomfortable to be in one of these defensive patterns. It is a form of suffering to be acting out of a defense, but it's still less painful than fully feeling that that old buried pain. Um, and that's why this exists, and that's why we're subconsciously using them. And I'll get to how this helps us understand workplace behaviors, and but also just behaviors in general in your life. So let's talk about them. So primary defense, this is when we enter into a story, you know, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'm useless, right? You might hear that a lot when somebody's faced with a challenge. Um, now, if you start to hear people using this language, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm useless, that sounds like a child, right? So that's a tell of somebody who's been uh, triggered uh, and they're defending against uh, an, an old trauma. And that's, that's the primary defense. Now, being in that story is uncomfortable for someone, but it's a lot less painful than fully feeling that, that old trauma they were, where maybe they were you know, abandoned by a, a caregiver at a certain moment or, or something happened um, very painful in their past. So that's primary defense. The second defense is false power. This is where you have an angry reaction. Um, so we've all been in in that situation. Something seems trivial. Something seems minor, and you get this this rage machine in front of you. You know, you're an asshole. You're no good. I'm better than you. Um, you're just shit on my shoe. Whatever it might be. That 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 stance of I'm great and you're not is somebody who's been triggered into false power. So it's a way of them not feeling. Pain, pain in their past. Uh, it's a story that they can then generate themselves as a, about themselves, which is a salve on that early pain. Yeah, it's a it's a balm. It's it, it uh, takes the edge off um, what that that early pain might have been. So if you hear someone raging and telling you how great they are and how shit you are, or shit somebody else's, that's somebody in false power, uh, false hope. Uh, very common one. So this is. Where somebody's, oh, I know this is awful, but one day it will be better. One day we'll get out of this. And um, we might find that in change situations in a company where um, 
perhaps the, you know, the, the, the business is, is experiencing some, some kind of stress or, or is going through some, some change which people at some level find uncomfortable. For those who've been triggered into a trauma response, what you might hear them saying is, oh, you know, well, what one day when, you know, when this boss is gone or when this project is over or, or when uh, this competitor leaves the market, whatever it might be, you know, then it will be okay. And that's somebody in, in false hope. They're not allowing themselves to experience the present reality, which might open them up to feeling old pain. Um, they allow themselves to trip into a, a narrative about the future, basically. Now, the, the third one is, is denial of needs. So this is the iron jacket, right? This is the, none of this matters. I'm fine. It's okay. Uh, and they're just not allowing themselves to feel anything about the current situation. It's all that sort of stoic stance. Now, a lot to be said about stoicism, not knocking stoicism, but when people are allowing themselves to go into that, that stance on a compulsive basis, they're not choosing. It's just they get triggered into it. Oh, it's fine. It's all okay. You know, there's no problem here. Um, that's a, a, a very common defense. Again, again, in the context of change and transformation, uh, super common to have people go into that form of defense. Um, again, they might be, they might something about the, the change or the proposal or whatever it is has triggered them into um, some old pain, into child consciousness, but the, the, the defense kicks in to, and has them not feel it fully. And they're, they're just telling themselves, it's all okay. Fifth and final one is, is fear. So this is a fear-based narrative. So they're, they're, they genuinely are feeling fear, but they're not allowing themselves to fully sink into that old pain and really feel the terror and the fear that may be associated with that event from early in their life. And they're, they're kind of putting a, a veneer on it and they're saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared about what might happen. What if this happens? What if that happens? They're in the kind of washing machine thoughts about, all the potential worst case scenarios that they're telling you they're fearful about. So again, that's uh, another tell that somebody's been been triggered. And uh, instead of saying, you know, I, I feel terrified, and this, you know, this is resident of some you know, past trauma, and really allowing themselves to feel that they're in, they're just they're just talking about the present reality and and how fearful they are about everything that might be coming down the track. And so that's. That's the fifth. That's the fifth defense, uh, the fear defense. And and once you start to understand these defenses, you'll 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 spot it uh, much more commonly how people are uh, triggered into these patterns, uh, and that's something that can be very useful. As I said, and you can start to, to understand your own patterns and your own defenses and where you get triggered into these, and you can almost use it as a as a litmus test to how far you are with your own he healing. Another tell outside of defense is just the language that people use. If people are using childlike language, um, that's, a, that's another great tell that they've, they've been triggered. If somebody's saying, I feel suffocated, for example, uh, that could very well be um, them not using that as a, a metaphor, but actually uh, that's a, a tell from their subconscious that they've been triggered into very early pain. I mean, is often something that you know, we experience as neonates as, you know, as we're coming through um, birth. Um, so that can be a tell that somebody's been triggered. And that, this might sound a bit far-fetched for some of you listening, but that can be a tell that somebody's been triggered into birth trauma if you feel that 
if you, if you hear them saying that they're suffocated or I can't breathe, um, anything of that nature. Another one might be, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. Right, which is which is legitimate for for a kid. You know, there are very often situations where kids genuinely do feel overwhelmed or feel like they can't do it. But if if somebody's using that type of language as a as an adult, um, very often that means they've been triggered. If you hear um, language like "Yeah, they're going to kill me," "My boss is going to kill me," they're not going to kill you. Right? They're not going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're in, I don't know, some extreme wartime situation. For most of the circumstances that most of us experience, uh, nobody's ever at risk of being uh, killed by uh, a boss. Um, but the child, if they've been triggered into it, unknowingly been triggered into a, a traumatic experience from earlier in their life, then yeah, there would have been certain situations as a child which would have genuinely felt life threatening. You know, if you've got a raging caregiver, who's about to to beat you or to thrash you, you might genuinely feel like you know your life was a threat in that moment in that early traumatic moment and so what you're really hearing there is a tell in the language from someone's earlier experiences okay i mean i know i've offered a lot there but just to just to boil it down for you so the first thing we talked about is what is a trauma it's a shock it's an it's an injury from earlier in our life, a, a wound, an emotional wound from earlier in our life that has changed our physiological, our biological cells forever and more, and it stays with us. You know, that trauma stays with us unless unless we intervene to heal it. Uh, and when we experience an event similar in some way, um, we call that a trigger. So when a boss criticizes our report, that may resonate with a a traumatic experience in our child when we were heavily criticized by a parent which left us feeling very fearful of abandonment or some other significantly negative outcome and we felt like we had no agency we felt overwhelmed by that situation so the the present moment reality the boss criticizing our report resonates with something deep in our past where we were where when we were traumatized and that mechanism plays out continually in our lives unknowingly and we have defenses to protect us from feeling that early pain that create a narrative in our heads so we move forward into the front of the brain we're avoiding those powerful feelings that emerge from from deep in the in the in the base of our brain we move to the front of our brain we create a story about the event and we enter in one of these defensive patterns and we talked about the five defensive patterns primary defense i'm not good enough false power i'm great and you're not a false hope one day it'll be better denial of needs it's all fine and fear oh i'm worried i'm worried about the future and when we also talked about the fact that another t- so another tell as well as spotting when somebody's in one of those five defensive patterns is when people are using language which sounds like it would be more appropriately expressed by, by a child in a, in a traumatic situation and not as an adult, like, they're going to kill me, I feel suffocated, um, I can't do this, <laughs> there's no hope. Uh, yeah, when somebody's using that type of language, it's, it's also a tell that they've been traumatized. So I, in the past, and they, they get, they've been triggered into it. I hope that makes sense. That was a, a fairly brief rundown. Run down of you know, the way I approach 
trauma awareness. Let me know what you think uh, in the comments or or reach out to me. I'd love to I'd love to hear how uh, useful you found this. Thanks. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.